to all, all of our people that are listening and, and watching us, I can say good evening and welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. My name is Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Hode. <laughs> and we haven't got a guest tonight, have we? We have no guest. We've been blown out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Our guest would rather spend time with her sheep than with us. That's a bit of a giveaway, isn't it? It is a bit. I won't say any more. No, we'll better. look forward to having her on another day. Yeah, absolutely. No, we can't yeah. say that. That's that's naughty. Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Ho. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. Mm-hmm. So what else have you been up to, dude? What else? What else? Uh, not a lot else, really. It's been busy at work. Incredibly busy at the practice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've had some interesting ops in recently. A few PDSA cases that have been referred on to me. Um, and it's all going well, but um, yeah, we're we're still uh, inundated. Too, too much work, too few people. Still a few people on furlough, uh, a few people who are vulnerable and can't come back to the practice just yet. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And how about you? How are things at Thames Medical? Uh, things are picking up. Uh, slowly but surely, I think we're back up to about sixty percent of normal. Great. Um, so, not not ideal, but certainly survivable. Ah, well, what a day! Hey, eh? how was your day today? Yeah, it was a mixed bag. My thirteen-year-old uh, daughter had to go to the orthodontists, and uh, it's never a pleasant oh, thing. That's um, never a pleasant thing. But her, her teeth are all sorted out. She, she's good. She's fine. Uh, I did manage to get a very brief forage in, about uh, about 20 minutes in the afternoon. Oh, really? We found a chicken of the woods. Oh, really? So we had that for our dinner. Ooh. Get you. Was, huh? No, it was. It was. It was. Very nice. Fried it. A chicken of the woods. Woods like Tipperus uh, sulfurious, I believe. Ah, Okay. That's, that's an interesting one. So it um, relates, I think, to the underside, which obviously is not a gilled mushroom. It's a poured mushroom, and uh, lighty refers to the shape of the of the pores. Right, okay. And the sulfurous is because it's bright yellow. I, I know about this particular mushroom, or this particular fungi. You do, and that's why I mentioned I was so happy to have found it. Well, yeah, well, you have to, don't you? Because you, you, you're sort of scrambling to catch up, aren't you, on the whole foraging thing? I am, um, completely. Yeah. Because, uh, well, in fact, I, I'll, I'll show you, shall I show you a video of this? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, okay. Well, if you bear with me. I, I will bear with you. But the thing I love about the English countryside is that about this time of the year, a good 20% of it's edible. Yes. Yes. Mm. Okay. Well, I, I'll show you. I'll show you what I got up to. Um, just a couple of days ago, okay. I will share my screen and show you a brief video here. I'm not sure if this sound will come out, but let's see what happens. Okay. This is me out on my evening walk with, uh, with Poppy Dog. So let me play this forwards and uh, oh, out walking with Poppy Dog before he's recording next edition of Veterinary Ramblings. And we're strolling along, and what's this I see? What's this? Could it really be? 
could it? Well, let's go down and have a look. Any guesses what that is, Julian? It is exactly oh, what I just had tonight, isn't it? Be. That's amazing. Oh, this is going to be straightforward. Oh. Ow. Ow. Oh, bloody. Ow. Ow. Bugger. <laughs> so, one of the great joys of foraging is, of course, that um, when you find your uh, chosen forage, it's sometimes not that easy to get to it. Oh yes, here we go. I know what this baby is. It's going to get cooked up with garlic butter. Let's see if I can yeah. get it off there nice and easily. There it is. That's fantastic. Beautiful. It's a huge one, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's massive. We've what, what I've actually done is um, I've had some of that freshly fried up with with garlic butter. Yeah. And um, what I've also done is I've cut it into slices and I've dried it and we're storing that for uh, for later. Great. Did it dry well? Um, I'm not 100% sure because it's we thought I thought it would completely dried out. Hmm. Some areas were almost crispy. It was only on a low heat for a long, long time. Um, there were a couple of areas that were slightly spongy, but fairly firm. Mm. Popped it into a plastic bag, and the next morning we've got water droplets in the plastic bag. So I think I'm going to have to re-dehydrate re it. I'd re-dry it. Uh, keep it in a paper bag mm -hmm. afterwards. Uh, you could keep it in a plastic bag, but if you do that, use some of those little silicon dry bags. You know the ones that, that come yeah. in packaging? Uh, That's a good idea. Help out more. I, I want um, to seal it because it stinks of mushrooms. It does. It's it's quite a quite a strong smell, isn't it? But it, it does. It tastes. If you fry it, it tastes uh, a little bit like artificial chicken. Some of it did. Some of it I found had the texture of of chicken. Mm -hmm. It's obviously the the, the name. Yeah. Chicken yeah. In the woods. Um, some of it was a bit more like tofu. Yes, it, it, it's um, it's very good at absorbing other flavours. Right. So you can marinate it uh, and stir fry it. Yep. Uh, I believe if you need your cholesterol lowered, then it'll help to lower your cholesterol. Although, of course, we have opinions about that, don't we, Mike? We, we do. We both have opinions about that. And um, yeah. oh, it looks like... Looks and like the ghost has opinions too. The ghost of Poppy Dog has appeared. Here we go. <laughs> I should I should say by the way that the the people listening to this podcast rather than watching it yes. have just missed Mike getting his uh, legs shredded to buggery by walking through a, a brambly area to find a really large specimen of, of a fungus called chicken of the woods or uh, Lysiporus sulfurius, uh, yeah. which is absolutely delicious. You have to cook it if you find it. You have to cook it because it's slightly toxic when eaten raw. Uh, it can give you uh, stomach uh, cramps, uh, a bit of diarrhea and vomiting sometimes, uh, but well worth the hunt. However, what I'd say is, if you are wanting to forage at all, it's a very, very important note, if you are foraging at all, please, please, please either take someone experienced with you or make sure you can identify the mushroom absolutely perfectly. Yeah, because absolutely. There are certain mushrooms that have uh, really quite nasty, toxic cousins, and uh, they are quite deadly. So if in doubt, leave it out is my rule. Yeah. Jules rules. 
I think I think Jules' rules are very good there. What yes, what what didn't really come over there? I, I think you could, if for people that could see the video, they could obviously see that that was down a very uh, quite a steep bank, um, and that bank was full of brambles, stinging nettles, and holly leaves. And as I was just out for a walk with the dog, I'd got my t-shirt and shorts on and uh, my pumps with no socks, but I couldn't resist getting down there to, well, just in case somebody else saw it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did you see any other shrooms on your travel? Uh, I did, actually. Um, Let me see if I can show you this particular one. Um, That's the the one that we we had. Yeah, Chicken of the Woods. Yep. There's Uh, a similar one called Hen of the Woods. I got this one. Oh, now that's nice. That's an Earth star of some sort. But, but, uh, oh, no, it's not, is it? Or is it a young parasol? Could you see if it had a stem at all? No, it had no stem. No? Okay, so that's some uh, little uh, earth ball. Uh, puffball. Yeah, member of the puffball family. Um, it's uh, it's oh, quite... Oh, sorry, Julian, I, I wasn't calling you a puffball. <laughs> I, I'm saying, I'm saying... I'm saying that I think this this particular fungi is a puffball. I thought just because I know a little bit about fungi, you no need to, to to taunt me. Well, there we go. Uh, but no, they're, they're beautiful, aren't they? I, I saw. I don't know if you've seen them around at all. Um, I saw a, um, uh, a a common stink horn today, mm-hmm. um, which has the um, the amazing uh, scientific name Phallus impudicus, and it. It is what it sounds like. So it looks like a knob, basically. Uh, and it stinks. Like, it smells... Like a cock. Absolutely, like a cock. Yeah, yeah. You know you know, we are actually going to get into big trouble with Georgie Hollis for all of this, don't you? We, we are, because she wants to be in on this, doesn't she? She, she wants, wants to be, to be in on, on, a foraging, on a foraging one. And yeah. he has said that she can actually come back... And uh, and do record another another show with us. Hey, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, the good news is that uh, we're really very very early on in the foraging season. So normally we don't expect to see much until September October. Uh, we've no no idea what the season's going to be like because it's been such a topsy turvy year. Uh, but the good thing is, very few people have been out and are going out. So hopefully there'll be lots of shrooms left for us. Hopefully that'll be the case. If indeed we do actually get. Um, a, a season because I understand autumn is here. That this is this is a picture of a common stinkhorn. Um, it, it's so as you can see, it's sort of very um, phallic. There's a firm, firm white uh, phallic stem with a large bulbous black head. Yeah, of, often green. So green, green or black, uh, with, with what looks like a. Uh, urethral opening, or, or I believe the common parlance is japs eye at the end of it. Um, I don't know if you can say that, can I'm you? Gonna stop, I'm going to stop sharing. We, we can't say that. I mean, who, we can't. Who do we you think you are? Boris? <laughs> but I just think fungi are, are amazing. You should grow to love them again, because not only can you eat some of them, or, uh, or poison your relatives with others of them, but uh, we, we couldn't survive without fungi. Nothing, nothing would be broken down. Nothing would be uh, degraded and rotten. Yeah. Uh, half our drugs uh, we, we couldn't get. Yeah. Um, lovely blue cheese, of course. All blue cheese is blue because of this uh, wonderful fungus, Penicillium rock fortii. Yep. Just a shame, actually. It's all called Penicillium rock fortii. Uh, <laughs> even, 
<laughs> even Stilton, which is obviously much better than uh, than Rockford. But uh, n- never mind. Uh, by, by, by British, don't, don't, don't buy Rockford. Uh, buy, buy British or, 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 or else don't, or else buy something else. Other other cheeses are available. Other cheeses are available, yeah. Like a blue brie, for example. A blue brie or camazola. Indeed. Yeah. Um, blue vinny. Yeah. Sussex blue, blue barnum. Gorgonzola. Oh, nice bit of gorgonzola. Mm. Dolce latte. Oh, my God. Yeah, gosh. And it's all Penicillium Rock 40, I. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we wouldn't really be able to drink our gin, would we? Without uh, without fungi. Well, there we go. Why? Good old brewer's yeast. Brewer's yeast? Yeah, you need a base of alcohol to be able to distill. Well, that, that's true enough. Uh, okay, yeah. Saccharomyces uh, cerevisiae for that. Uh, and uh, baker's yeast as well. Baker's yeast. Don't eat bread. So that would be no good. No, forget that. We can, we can deal with it. Yeah. And, and um, have you heard of myco-remediation? No. What's, what's myco-remediation, Julian? Well, if you have a toxic spill somewhere and you want to get rid of it, right. then you can either dig up the first few inches of the soil to yep. get rid of it. Or you can make the toxin soluble. And the best way of making it soluble is to put a fungus down that metabolizes it or metabolizes it into a salt that is then soluble. This is what they're attempting to do in Mauritius at the moment, isn't it? With the, uh, with the oil. Yeah. Um, using yeah. fungi to try and break down the, the oil deposits. That's a disaster, isn't it? That's... It really is. We'd be a big cock up there. I, what, um, I, what I can't understand, I, 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 in that particular instance, I understand they, they moved the, the vessel closer to the land so that some of the crew could get internet connection. You, you'd yes. Have thought, you'd have thought on a vessel that's 300 metres long and 100 metres wide that they'd have their own internet and their well, own satellite so, connections, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? But, you would uh, have thought Yeah, it, it's a little bit like the... the, there's, um, the there's a new open cast mine they're hoping to open in Australia. It's called the mm. Adani mine. And the direct route out is for these uh, super coal tankers, super mm. coal ships, um, to cut a path straight through the Great Barrier Reef. Like the Great Barrier Reef hasn't got enough problems without putting 3,000 tonnes of coal straight through it on these major massive things and um yeah it's that's a, that's a current one of mine you might you might catch me on some of this tonight <laughs> i've been looking for a bit of a rant tonight julia have we not done enough we should can we not can we not badger the politicians at all? don't start me on badgers what badgers yeah oh no we'll cut that conversation shall we for a start yeah yeah. <laughs> to, to, to be heard to be heard no more tonight you, well are you sure because I've, I've seen some figures from defra recently yeah t- t- tell me about those figures mike because actually it's it's a complete disgrace isn't it tell you about the figures well there's a whole there's a whole raft of them i, I think the, the there's it's sort of it's governmental cock-up after governmental cock-up um kent hold on this is impossible isn't it how, how can the government cock the oh hold on is it dominic cummings in charge oh god knows 
Are they badges or zebras? I have to drive to Barnum Castle to find out. <laughs> Barnard Castle, I remember Barnum. I can't even Barnum. Is it Barnum? Barnard? What is it? Quite, quite possibly. That. There's, there's a, you'll love this one. I mean, this is, this is appropriate for COVID. Because, mm-hmm. obviously, we have a problem with TB in our cattle herds. Yes. That's not, not disputing that. Yeah. We've got TB in our cattle herds. That is a readily transmissible disease. It's a problem and we should do what we can to eradicate it. Um, Absolutely. Unfortunately, poor old Brock, the badger, has caught Our the blame largest predator. Well, second largest. I think Prince Andrew is slightly bigger. But anyway, carry on. I think so, yeah. <laughs> so, so Brock has caught the blame for this, and we're on a course to systematically cull or kill or slaughter as many badgers as we can to try and prevent the spread of TB, which for, for, for the vets in the UK that are listening, this, this is not, not different. This is, uh, this is familiar territory, but for... Well, it's, it's, it's actually been going on since 1973. It, there it was has. an official government policy then. Yeah, but it's accelerated recently, hasn't it? It has. It has. We have to eradicate it. So, so you look at Kent. Now, Kent, to, to our listeners and viewers from from other, other areas like the United States. Kent is known as the breadbasket of the UK. This is um, an area that's high in arable land and quite high in... That's in livestock. land that's actually farmed by Arabs. No, it's not. Carry yeah, on. Anyway, so, so Kent is virtually TB-free. There has been no outbreak, no recorded cases of tb in Kent, in the county of Kent, for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So what has happened is that it, a number of people got together and set up a vaccination programme, fully funded, to capture and safely vaccinate the badgers against TB. Mm-hmm. Seems like a good idea. Except DEFRA blocked it because there was no incidence of TB in Kent, therefore there was no requirement for a vaccination. But surely lack of evidence isn't evidence of lack there. Uh, so, And there's also the risk that if they cull badgers in adjacent areas, yeah. then badgers in Kent will cross over backwards and forwards Yep. and increase the risk of spread yep. uh, of TB into badges in Kent. Yep. And if a farmer happens to move cattle into that area that is infected with TB, then the badgers could catch the TB from that cattle mm-hmm. and start spreading yep. it around in, in the county as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's Kent. So are you, are you familiar with what's happened in Cumbria, Julian? I read about it earlier on, but uh, do, do refresh the audiences. Well, refresh... Okay. Tell the audiences. Tell the audience. Everyone listen now then. Listen, listen. I'll tell the audience. I'll tell the audience. Both of them, mind. What, what's happened in Cumbria is that a number of badgers have been culled and at autopsy the strain of TB has been identified. And the strain of TB that has been identified in Cumbrian badgers is from Northern Ireland. Now, again, for listeners who may not be 
intimately aware as to the geography of the United Kingdom and these wonderful sceptered isles in which we inhabit. Um, Northern Ireland is separated from mainland England. Are you going to draw a map? No, I was going to draw a picture of a badger. Okay, uh, you draw a picture of a badger. It's a shame we haven't got Georgie Hollis on tonight, isn't it? Because she could have not. She'd, do a, she'd do a brilliant picture of Just a badger. Like um, Northern Ireland is separated from mainland UK, which is where Cumbria is, by the Irish Sea, which is, depending on which ferry you catch, either a seven hour or a three hour ferry to get between the two. So, what, what's happened here? is obviously an infected badger. That's a badger. There we go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's exactly what they look like. Right. Thanks for that, Julian. Yes, Julian, Julian's put up on screen there a picture of a tapir with some stripes on it. It's a baby tapir, actually. I can, I can draw those. can't draw badgers, <laughs> but they're very similar. I, I think most of our audience would know what a badger looks like. Beautiful little creature with dirty great big claws and long snouts with black and white stripes down the snout. So, um, so yeah, so obviously a badger managed to get onto a ferry in Northern Ireland and crossed the Irish Sea and infected all of the cattle in Cumbria. Or, or there's another way. Is there? And I've modified my picture to show you what could actually have happened. Oh, go on. So if the badger had worn scuba gear. Right. Yep. Uh, so little bubbles coming out of its, uh, its nose there. Uh, or, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Wearing a mask. And there's the, mm-hmm. there's the tank there. And little fins on its feet, you see. So if it had done that. Right. Yep. Of course, it would have struggled because... You should not scuba dive with TB. You shouldn't because it's going to cause a problem with your breathing. It is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so that's it. So, so what's happened in Cumbria is that the naughty badgers have, have um, smuggled themselves aboard a ferry and come across to Cumbria from Northern Ireland to infect all the cattle. Mm. Yeah. Either, yeah. That, either that or some farmers in Cumbria have imported some beef infected beef cattle from Northern Ireland and introduced TB themselves. Yeah. What's the likeliest thing, huh? Um, I did see some midget submarines being used by Colombians to smuggle drugs into America. Yeah, what, what is the likeliest thing? As Julian yeah. waves his picture of his hand-drawn badger wearing scuba gear... <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think we better let it rest there i think probably the, most of the audience have sit to the back teeth we've probably lost all of our national farmers union viewers right now we we have and actually farmers are doing well in a very very poor climate uh, economically uh, with uh, no government help whatsoever we should support our farmers there are a few farmers like few of any sort that, that flout the rules and um, it's for those that the majority must pay However, the the farmers, pay more. farmers, thank you so much for doing a brilliant job. No, I'll, I'll, raise, I'll raise a glass to that. I, I, would, I would feel a little bit happier with the NFU, the National Farmers Union and DEFRA able to get their act together. 
um, yeah. actually educate the the farmers in biosecurity a little bit more. Um, I think a lot of the guys are, are raised, born, born and bred in the country. They work hard every day, mm-hmm. often up before dawn and, and back back to their houses late after after dusk. Um, they do a grand job, and it's not necessarily their fault that they don't necessarily understand the um, infectious disease transmission. I mean, look look how we're struggling with COVID. I, I, I imagine farmers are getting the same sort of advice as we yeah. are during uh, during COVID. Yeah. Uh, they're being told, don't import your cattle from Ireland, uh, unless you want to import your cattle from Ireland, in which case, import your cattle from Ireland, but don't yeah. use any paperwork uh, unless you want to use paperwork. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. What it comes down to, really, is uh, the government's failing us yet again, isn't it? We were quite fired up. Well, yeah. Fact is, we like badgers and we don't want them needlessly destroyed. Why not vaccinate them instead? It's cheaper. It's, it's cheaper, it's a lot easier, and it keeps British wildlife thriving. Absolutely. Why, there isn't, why isn't there space for British wildlife as well as everything else? If you oh. do see any wild pangolins in England... Don't eat them. Yes, yeah, don't. don't. The scales don't work, by the way. So uh, scales uh, have absolutely no medical or health benefit uh, to anyone other than pangolins. Pangolins. Spooky, they, that, isn't it? They find them rather useful, I believe. It, it's the same with um, rhinoceroses, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Rhinoceros horn doesn't give you the uh, <clears throat> phallus impudicus. And shark fin. Yes. Did you, did you did you know that it's still legal? <laughs> whilst we're, whilst you've got me on my animal welfare trip tonight, did you know that it is actually still legal to import twenty kilos of shark fins in your suitcase? No, twenty so kilos. Twenty kilos of shark fins. You, you you probably wouldn't, but the the, the bottom line is the point of, of the story is is that I could quite legally bring back 20 kilos of shark fin in my suitcase were I to choose to do so. It is still legal to do that in this country. So why is it still legal? That's a funny loophole, isn't it? I have no idea. There's, there's, there's actually there's a current petition, um, UK government petition, on uh, hmm. that's open. Um, in fact, I think what we should do is I will tell post... people how to get onto that. So I will we're... post that link so that people can register their discussed with the UK government for keeping that particular loophole open. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I saw a, a photo a couple of weeks back of a, uh, a shark fin processing plant in, um, uh, in China. Yeah. And there were thousands upon thousands of sharks that had just had their, their dorsal fins cut off their petrol fins, and they were just flung away. They didn't want the rest of them. No, it's appalling, isn't it? Yeah, and and sharks are amazing creatures, absolutely incredible. They're, they're one, of the, one of the oldest, phylogenetically, one of yeah. the oldest uh, species of fish. Yeah, I, th- I think again, there's, there's this there seems to be this this mental block that that our human race have. That uh, I mean, top top and bottom of this is we are apex predators ourselves Mm. Um, but there is plenty of room for other apex predators on the planet and in fact the balance of nature 
requires that there is an apex predator. Yes. Um, yeah. I, was it Yellowstone they reintroduced the wolves? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they've reintroduced quite a few things actually in Yellowstone, and they've they've always seen huge geographic and environmental changes, yeah. haven't they? they yeah. For, for the better. Yeah. 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 But by reintroducing wolves, they're able to cull certain deer populations. That's right. Uh, that were overeating some shrubs, and because those shrubs were able to survive for longer, uh, they did certain. I don't know. I'm, I'm misremembering a lot of it, but it changed the course. Well, I think of the river. it changed the total ecology of the whole area, as I as I yeah. recall. I don't. Um, I can't remember exactly what that was, but it was by the reintroduction of wolves. Mm. The shark is the wolf of the sea. It is. It uh, is. I, I I was privileged enough to dive with uh, great whites in um, Africa. Were you? Fantastic. Yeah, it, it was a privilege, and call it naivety or whatever it is, we are not on their menu. The sharks that that were there, um, would would we were just down from what was known as was known as Shark Alley, which is a, it's a, a narrow file of rocks, mm-hmm. and at low tide the rocks are out of the water, at high tide. There's a very little rock out of the water, but all of the seals beach on that area and the seals breed. There's a lot of kelp beds around there. Um, and so it's a massive seal breeding colony with this narrow run between. And the seals will go through the kelp beds from one rock to the other. It's like a canal mm-hmm. cut, cut between the, uh, these, these rocks. And it's known as Shark Alley. So there are a lot of great whites in there because that's what they do. They, they eat seals. And um, I was diving not far from there. And we were able to lure a number of great whites in, in and around. They were not interested. They, they, it was almost like, oh, look, there's another human in the water. Complete disinterest. Yeah. 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 I was, I was a little bit slimmer than I am today, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, they might change their minds now, eh? <laughs> oh, oh, look at the blubber on that one. <laughs> hey, Sharky, come on, let's go and have that one. <laughs> look at that one. Yeah, it's got very... I swam with uh, white-tipped reef sharks in Malaysia, and, and yeah. um, they're gorgeous, they're beautiful, they're so yeah. agile in the water. So, oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I've dropped down on, onto black tip reef sharks before now and um, doing sort of free diving stuff. Um, mm. It's it's just a quick flick of the tail, isn't it? And they've gone. Mm. They are out of there. Um, yeah, very quick. Even even with yeah. the best visibility, sort of, where did he go? Or, or was it yeah. she? Who knows? <laughs> no, well, you can it. see because they've got little claspers, haven't they, just uh, towards yeah. the, uh, the tail yeah. on the yeah. So marine biology was which, which of your degrees, Julian? Uh, first one. That was your first one, was it? Marine biology. <laughs> well, we, we do, as a, as a species, we do try and see what we can destroy, what we can bring to the brink of, of extinction and, and beyond mm. by, our, by our greed. Uh, although, yeah. interesting uh, book I was reading, uh, Sapiens by... Uh, Noah someone rather um, excellent book excellent right. book um, I'll try and remember who it was uh, where he says that actually 
you could say that wheat is the most successful creature, the most successful uh, organism, because it has managed to convince humans to grow it everywhere and has spread from a tiny insignificant weed to the most numerous plant on the planet. Right. Well, surely wheat is a selectively bred grass. Hmm. Hmm. It is. But has you, know, you could look at it from a different perspective and say, has somehow the wheat uh, favoured its own worth genetically to become successful? I so, I would I would. I would argue against that on the on the basis that that is pure luck, and it's it's like the pure luck that you and I experience. The fact that we have been born in a temperate climate on an island um, that has facilitated the, the British rise through history and the development on the backs of of slaves, the empire and facilitated our rape of the world and then because we were so powerful we were able to stop other buggers from doing it as well it's true yeah uh, yeah but th- but that's but that's luck isn't it we we happen to have been born here it, it is it is luck and a thousand years ago um people of the mongol empire were saying the same thing you know, aren't we aren't we incredibly lucky to yeah. have been born uh within the catchment area of genghis khan yeah. Who who has now uh, made our people vastly more successful? We we now don't have to scrape around for a living, but we get slaves to do them for us. Well, he, uh, he he did that by unifying tribes. He did, yeah. He he yeah. brought together the Mongol peoples who mm. who were divisive and divided into into family tribe units, wasn't it? So he brought them together, and with the the advent of the uh, the bow. And the utilisation of the pony uh, was able to unify a, a massive nomadic army. Yes, and he made these amazing bows, which were uh, not biometallic, but by, uh, well, two t- different tensile strengths of, of, of wood and hide. And so they're able to be uh, pulled to a much greater tensile strength or pulling strength than a single species of wood would have been able to. I have one. Have you? Hmm. Wow. Gosh, how did you get that? Did you go to Mongolia? No, I had it made for me. Um, <laughs> wow, fantastic. Before, before you, before you get, get me sharing my knowledge of Toxophily, which is the, uh, the proper name for archery, uh, <laughs> Sapiens is a book by Yuval Noah Harari. Thank you very much. I knew there was a Noah in there somewhere. Yuval Noah Harari. Yeah. Uh, excellent book. It's very, very well researched. Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. And, and it covers everything. Uh, it includes empire building and empire destruction within it. All right. So it, it covers everywhere from, uh, uh, fr- from our uh, partial parents, the Neanderthals, mm-hmm. all, all the way through to, um, to, to modern day life. Right, okay. Very interesting. Sounds like a good book to actually look look up. Fingers crossed. Yeah. But, oh, that's the point. I've forgotten about a meeting I had this morning. Oh, yes? Yeah, you'd, you'd probably quite like this one. 
Hmm. I had a meeting with uh, an old colleague of mine um, who I've worked with on and off for probably about 15, 16 years. And he's now involved in a company that not only scavenges anaesthetic gas, recycles it. Oh. So. I I read something about that. I don't know whether it was his company, but I read something about the idea of that. So they, they, they filter it, uh, scavenge it, yep. and reclaim the the isoflow they reclaim the unused isofluorane or sevofluorane yeah. or whatever is in there and it doesn't matter whether it's mixed or not so you can put halothane iso sevo in there so you run that through your patients obviously your yeah. patients are breathing that out they will scavenge that so it doesn't go into the atmosphere yeah and then they can reclaim it and as you've probably only used I don't know. I don't know exactly what the uh, the, the metabolic utilization of any of the drugs it, particularly is. But let's say it, that the patient very, has used thirty percent. Well, it's, it's much lower than that, and it's very, very low. Well, it, it, it is low depending on the agent, and mm. depending on whether they're scavenging. And bear in mind that your patient's taking it on board, mm. but then waking them up, they're still carrying a load on board, so recovery mm. catches out, which. They can also scavenge in select areas, mainly on the human side, not on the veterinary side. Sure. Um, so to a certain extent, there will, there will be an element of loss in the veterinary area because yeah. our patients are recovering in a recovery area and they can't scavenge that. But they can scavenge what's not being utilised on the, on the fresh gas flow and the, the patient. For, for an environmental point of view, that's uh, it's incredible, isn't it? It's massive. It's massive. Yeah. We, we had a meeting, we had an exploratory meeting this morning because, as you know, I'm very keen on climate change and controlling climate change. Mm. And one of the figures that came out was that the, the veterinary world in the UK is responsible for 30% of anaesthetic gas pollution in the UK. Really? When, okay. So if, if you consider... Mm. that there are nominally 4,000, 4,500 veterinary operating theatres working each day. Yeah. And yeah. there are probably, I wouldn't like to think, how many human operating theatres operating all day, every day. Yeah. The veterinary world is, is producing 30% of that pollution. That's, that's not good, is it? It's not good at all. But um, so we, we had an exploratory meeting and uh, it, it, it was very positive. It's, the technology they're using is incredibly simple, hmm. which is, I mean, it's just fabulous. It's um, they've got trained goblins going. <laughs> <laughs> no, they haven't. No, they haven't. Oh. They're, they're, they're scavenging the gas, there. store it in a container um, that gets shipped back to their recycling plant. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the anaesthetic agent itself is extracted from the carrier medium. Mm-hmm. Then those anaesthetic agents are separated into their base nature. So it's not just a bottle of isofluorine, halothane, and sevofluorine mm-hmm. mix. They can separate that out. Um, and then they're working on the logistics of 
does that get sold as a bottle or does that get recycled back to the place that it originated from? Mm. Um, so we're looking at that and uh, it, it, was, it was a good meeting. I was, I was pleased to, um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to working with them. And um, Yeah, I'd be interested to hear how that goes. That's, that's amazing. Fantastic yeah. idea. It, it, it's a brilliant idea and I think, mm. it, well, it fits hand in glove with a couple of my pet topics like using appropriate tidal volumes, therefore mm. using appropriate minute volumes, therefore using appropriate fresh gas flow period for that particular yeah. patient, yeah. which, as you know, is a is a particular bugbearer or, or thing of mine. Absolutely, because um, we're all using, uh, according to the veterinary textbooks, flow rates that are much too high, minute volumes that are much too high. Yeah, between 100 and 200% too high. Yeah. Um, according to veterinary so, textbooks, and so there's a, there's a, a, a risk of injury to the to the patient's uh, respiratory system. There's a, a waste of raw materials, and there's an environmental cost secondary of, of uh, waste uh, effluent materials. Yeah, there, so. Absolutely. Of course, the, the, the other add-in to that is that we want to do all of this safely, so hmm. we need to be able to monitor our patients appropriately and safely and that's obviously the other area that I'm, I'm very keen on in in changing the way that we look at and accept the the numbers that we get particularly on our smaller more vulnerable patients yeah so it, it's it, it's all part of the, the, the this sort of big thing that's that's happening it's it's and I think I've got to thank COVID for for giving me the time to actually step back and look and think through all of these aspects and how they fit together. Um, and think what's important to you yeah. as a yeah. as a company owner, yeah. as an anaesthetic uh, as a person for me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm quite happy to make that personal. Uh, you know, it's 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 personal to me. And um, obviously, I'm lucky enough. I've got a team that follow through with that, and their interests are aligned with with all of that sort of stuff. So, so all we've got to do is rewrite all of the veterinary anaesthesia textbooks. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's start. <sighs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there in the end, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. I'm sure, I'm, and I'm sure I'll be remembered as some some mad ranty old bloke. <laughs> but at least, at least you'll be remembered. <laughs> yeah, these strange ideas. What's that? Yes, it's, um... didn't he do some weird podcast thing with that fat ball bloke with the funny shirts? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah very ramblings or something. Yeah, uh, was it rambling? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Madness. Cool. They were a bunch of pillocks, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Going on about that, badges that, that and was... Dominic Cummings all the time. Yeah. I thought I told you that story. <laughs> no. No, you haven't. That's, that's incredible. That's really amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, I've done a, I've done a CPD stuff tonight. Have you done a CPD? What? Just now? Yeah, uh, earlier. Not just now. No, but earlier. One. Uh, so here we go. One share, share. I've, I've got a, I've got a picture of you on the front. Uh uh-uh. Oh, as we often do, for those of you that can't see <laughs> on the video, <laughs> Julian has done a beautiful CPD certificate outlined in orange, available for download. 
Uh, so you can download it, print it off and present it to your governing body to show that you have listened to uh, an hour's worth of CPD from me and him, the teachers. And for some reason, the centre of... The, yeah, you need peek around the corner. He's peeking around the corner of the certificate right now. Um, that looks like one of Phil Lamette's beautiful photographs of a gorilla. It's one of mine. I took it. Really? I took it, yeah. Really? That was... Uh, where was that? Um, um, blah, 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 blah. This was a gorilla at... Monkey World, I believe. Oh, right. Is this segue to a story of my anaesthetising chimpanzees at Monkey World in Dorset? <laughs> no, it, it, it wasn't, but actually now you mention it, do you, want to, do you want to tell us that one? Because it's great. I'll tell you the take-home I got from that. I was very privileged to spend some time down at Monkey World. Um, oh, 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 before you do that, we, we, we haven't... Completed the CPD. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, should no, we do that quickly now? Should we just okay, so we'll quickly pause for reflection. Um, so Because that, that's now that, that's not a part of all CPD, I, as we've learned recently. It's not? No, it's only not. with the RCVS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only with the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons in the UK. Do you have to actually reflect on the CPD that you have either given or, or partaken of? But as we're in the UK, despite the fact the majority of our audience are, are in America. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's reflect on that. Let's quickly reflect on our... Um, That's a lot of reflection for tonight. Julian, Julian, Julian. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yes, yes, reflecting. Spiker. Reflecting. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Well done. You weren't the only one that was up at six o'clock this morning. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so tell us about, tell us about the chimps at uh, Monkey World. <laughs> the chimps at Monkey World. Um, I, I, I'm not, I've got lots of stories from the chimps at Monkey World. The, the, the whole facility there is absolutely amazing. It is incredible. Uh, the, if you store... get a chance to go down, there's near um, uh, sort of Swanage direction, isn't it? Wimborne, uh, that sort of area. Yeah, Wim, um, Dorchester, Wimborne, yeah. Bovingdon. Bovingdon. Yeah. I tell Bovingdon. you what, what, what would make a great day out if you've got young children and particularly boys is a visit to Monkey World, and just across the road is the Bovingdon Tank Museum. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I've got two daughters. I've never been to the Tank Museum. (laughs) Why not? Should we go to the Tank Museum in the afternoon? No, let's go get some ice cream. Oh. I'd I'd lend you my If anyone wants to go to the Tank Museum with me, Drop a note at Neck. <laughs> I'll go down the Tank Museum with you. Okay, okay. Brilliant. So, fabulous facility, um, and, and very privileged to spend some time down there. But the mm. the lesson, the, the the take-home message I got, apart from, I think her name was Amelia, one of the the matriarchal chimps, who I think liked me, mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> 
um, was that if you give a chimpanzee a bicycle, the first day it will ride it. The second day it will take it apart to find out how it works. The, as, as a species, they are phenomenally inquisitive and incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I have to say that um, in my career, I've spent time uh, working in a number of environments and working with the chimps was probably slightly scarier than a visit to Broadmoor and uh, a visit to Brixton. Uh, both of those, for, for people who don't know, are, uh, are Her Majesty's institutions for one of them for the criminally insane and the other one for just the criminal um, on remand. Um, and the chimpanzees, once you get back of house as a stranger, um, I found equally scary. Really? Mm. And, and uh, intro, I'll, I need to look at a photograph. I'll show you. I'll, I'll share a photograph with you um, of some wild apes uh, that I was lucky enough to meet um, near Victoria Falls in uh, in Zambia. And you'll see how close I am to them mm-hmm. as wild apes. Um, I wouldn't do that with a chimpanzee at all. No way. They, um, they're, they're quite scary creatures. I'm, I'm, I have a healthy respect, stroke, fear for chimpanzees. They'll rip your bloody arm off, mate. They, they are. <laughs> well, they're, they're, um, they're unpredictable, aren't they? I, I, I say that as a, as a layperson, but from what I read, uh, yeah. gorillas, if you establish a connection and, and a, a, a reasonable enough and slow enough and, and steady enough about getting to know them, yeah. then you can be fairly sure that they will accept you. Yeah. With, with chimpanzees, uh, you can do that for six months and then the next time you go in, they'll rip your head off. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Although although the keepers would probably dispute that because they, they are spending every day with, with a, a certain family group and they get to to read the mannerisms and and know what's going on, which is which is how I got to know that Amelia probably liked me a lot mm-hmm. because one of the keepers told me, not because I identified that. <laughs> it's because the letters she sent you. Yeah, <laughs> what was that? Um, yeah, she's been emailing me ever since. I mean, it's a nightmare. <laughs> and as for text messages, well, how she got my mobile number, I have no idea. Uh, they're clever little things these uh, incredible stuff incredible so okay so, so we've done our CPD certificate hmm hmm have you got a joke for us tonight well I, I have I, 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 I had a choice of jokes uh, one oh. I thought was quite quite Is rude at my so expense <laughs> no it's for yeah. free <laughs> oh thank you so I, I thought though I, I'd hone it down to one which is uh, on the subject of um, uh, of species extinction, which we've touched on earlier on okay. in the evening, and, and and we're very good at, uh, and it's, uh, like, it's the, like speed skiers; they get extinct as well for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so this is about the man who was up um, uh, in court mm-hmm. for eating one of the last black rhinos, 
And he made a, a very impassioned plea in his defence, saying, I was uh, um, separated from the, the other tourists in, in my group uh, and left alone in the, uh, in the African belt for, um, uh, for days. I, I ate uh, nothing. I, I managed to drink dew water off the, off the leaves in the morning uh, and foraged for, for, for nuts and berries. And I, I didn't know whether any nut or berry I had would be my last because I didn't know whether they were poisonous or not. And I saw this, this elderly, weak rhino and my, my hunger overcame me. And I thought, I, I, know, I know that it's one of the last rhinos in the area. And I, I, I know, however, that, 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 that he's clearly weak and ill and, and may not survive for long anyway. Uh, and I thought, I, I'm human. I have a greater right to life than this rhino. He's, he's arrogant and I apologise for it, but I killed and ate the rhino. And people were in tears. The jury took 10 minutes to decide that no, he, he, he should be acquitted. And he left the court a free man and the newspaper reporter said to him, so tell us, um, none of us will, will ever get the chance to find out, what does black rhino taste like? And he said, it's a darker meat than white rhino. I'd say it's almost like dodo. That's man. Yeah, off, off colour. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it kind of sums up what we do, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, I, the thing that sums it up for me is is that line in the Matrix. I don't know if, if you. If you... I, I I have seen the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. I'm struggling to remember which line in particular you're referring to. Uh, where the agent. He's talking to Keanu Reeves as Anderson. And he says, Mr. Anderson, humankind is a virus on the earth. Yep. Yep. So, we are. We are indeed. Mr. Anderson. Hmm. On that note. On that happy note. <laughs> we shall call things to a close. Yeah, we probably need a guest to tone it down a little bit because we can get a we, bit we've ranted. Yes, we've ranted. We've ranted. I hope, though, actually, some of our rants have uh, struck bells with you, rung chords, whatever. Um, it's our planet. As far as we know, we've only got one that we can live on at the moment. And this so, is no dress rehearsal, is it? No. Nah, so, nah. If you like what we do, if you like what you've seen and what you've heard, then click like, follow us, and uh, we're, we're sure we'll be able to line up a far more interesting than us guest uh, for next week's episode. No question at all. And if you've got any suggestions or anything that you want us to cover on the show or anything you want us to talk about, or if you've got any things that you want to talk about, get in touch with us. We're quite a pro- Well, he's approachable. I'm not. I'm a miserable old bastard. But, We're both uh, miserable bastards. Yeah. Get in touch with us and uh, let's have a conversation. And until that point in time, hope you've enjoyed Veterinary Ramblings and may your dog go with you. May your dog go with you. May your dog go with you, Mike. Good night, Julian. Good night, everybody. Thank you. And cut. (laughs) 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 Cut.